Good evening. I'm not sure where everybody is. They said they, the five o'clock crowd said they'd be back, and they didn't make it. You know, one thing when you do eleven o'clock services, you realize you you shouldn't tell jokes at eleven o'clock. Nobody laughs. Nobody thinks it's funny. So I'm not going to tell you a joke, but I'm going to tell you a story. To start with, um, you know what happens in churches like this around midnight? The answer is no, you don't, right? Well, let me tell you what happens. Uh, one time, not too long ago, several months ago, I was coming up late at night to do some work up here, and I walked through the kitchen, if you know the church at all, and, and I look, and on the back, it's dark, it's creepy, and on the back, I see a pair of boots behind the door, some clothes folded up, and there's a man there taking a shower at midnight with the hose. That's what happens around here at midnight. Showers. Now you know. See, the five o'clock crowd didn't get that story, but you did. Pays to come to the 11 o'clock service. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. 8 to 14. Just after the birth of Christ, after he was born, the shepherds were in the fields and the angels appeared to them in an amazing way and with a message of peace. And if you you think about that, everything in the Jewish worship up to that point pointed toward there being the need of a Messiah, a Savior, but every aspect of it said, 
stay away from God, you're unclean because you're in your sin. You, you need a lamb. You need something to make you clean. And then suddenly the angels appear and they say, peace. In other words, God is about to make peace with man and man's sin and man's rebellion through this child. And so if you would, look in your Bibles with me at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And we're really just going to concentrate on that one verse, verse 14. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Let's just pray for our time. God, we just praise you that you have made peace with man. Father, you have come down and taken on flesh, and through your actions, the actions of the Son, you've made peace by atoning for our wrongs and our sins and our failings, O oh God, through the person, the work, the resurrection of this child, the Lamb of God. And so we praise you, Lord, and we ask that your Holy Spirit now would work in our hearts and our minds to help us see and behold more of the glory of Christ that we might worship this Christmas season. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In December of 1903, after many attempts, the, the Wright brothers were successful in getting their quote-unquote flying machine off the ground. And thrilled about what they had done, they telegraphed a message to their sister Catherine. And this is what the message says. We've actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Pretty short, right? Catherine hurried to the editor of the newspaper so excited in, about the news. She gave him the telegraph, and the man looked at it and read it through and looked at Catherine and said, that's just great. The boys will be home for Christmas. He had completely missed what was so important there, the big news that man had flown. You know, so it is with us many times, isn't it? That Christmas comes and Christmas goes and Christmas comes and Christmas goes and we totally miss sometimes the big news and the, and the hustle and the bustle and the busyness. Not this, just that a child is born, but that through this child, God has offered and made an eternal peace with man. So the main idea this morning is, or this evening is just this. In the child Christ, God has offered peace to the world. Through this child, God has offered and made peace to you and to me. Now, 
the chief purpose of this child has come and is seen in this text. Look in verse 14 with me in your Bibles, if you would. Notice those first couple of words. Glory to God in the highest. God glorified himself. And these words are not a wish. It's an affirmation of what God's going to do. And what he's saying is, by giving this child a Savior to the world, the highest degree of glory and praise and honor has come to God. And, and what he means is that he will reveal his greatness, the highest level that man has ever seen, the greatness of God, will be seen through this child. This child will reveal to a dark world who's lost the glory and the greatness of God and the knowing who, who he is will see it again in this child. So, in Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection, we see the justice, the holiness, the mercy, love, wisdom of God all on display for man. But we really see one act of gospel grace that he highlights here. Look in your Bibles with me. Notice that. He offers peace at his own expense. And on earth, peace to men in whom his favor rests. So when God says, I'm going to display my glory in the highest of ways. And then he tells us how. I'm going to offer peace to man at my own expense. Now, it's, it's not external peace, right? That, that Jesus is going to just stop all the wars and we're going to live in a perfect planet. Nor is it just an internal peace where he, he came to just make us all feel good about ourselves and we sit around and sing kumbaya and roast marshmallows and things like that. What he's talking about here is a peace treaty, you might say, between God and man. You see, the story of the scripture is that man is like a rebellious province that has refused to obey and follow its king. But it's the king that has a plan to make peace with the rebellious province entirely at his own expense. Christ came to make peace between God and man. That's the reason Isaiah foretells about him. He says he's the prince of peace. But notice in this covenant of peace, there's terms from the king and for us to receive. From the kings, there are terms of peace. And we say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that, that there's an issue here. That because of our sin and breaking God's law and not living up to his standards, God says that man is to be punished and to be judged. And he is a good judge, and he by no means pardons the guilty. In the same way a courtroom functions here in Dothan, Alabama, that if somebody had broken the law lots of times and they went down to the judge and he said, oh, you've done this and you've done this and you've done this and you've done this, but hey, it's Christmas Eve. Go have a great Christmas. Your pardon. You would never say that guy's a good judge, would you? And so it is with God. And Isaiah 53 then says about that problem, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, was upon his own son. God sent his son to be our peace by taking our judgment and punishment on the cross so that your peace has been completely purchased and made and paid for 
by Jesus' death and resurrection. And the result is now, for those who believe and receive Christ, that we are restored to the King in a relationship. Not just now, but always. Romans 5.11 says it like this. Paul says, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. So if you're a believer here tonight, you are in a position. Your position is one of peace with God, the king of all things. We've been restored to his kingdom, and you are declared pardoned on your best day and your worst day. Now, those are God's terms. Our terms to receive that are, are simply faith and repentance. You say, Rusty, what do you mean by that? Well, faith is the only thing that gives us a right to Christ and the peace of God that he made on the cross through the resurrection. And so with the arms of faith, we embrace Christ as Lord and as Savior and receive the most amazing gift of God, peace and restoration to a living relationship. But faith is always accompanied by repentance, and this is what the Scripture means by repentance. The biblical idea of repentance is a change of heart that leads to a change in direction of life. It is the act of turning away from loving myself and my sin most to loving God as a father and his will most in my life. So let me say it like this. When, when I, my children were young, and I had three children, I would always ask them, why does Dada love you? Is it because you're smart? And they would say, no. Is it because you eat all your veggies? No, that's not why. Is it because you're a great athlete? No. Is it because you always obey all the rules in this house? No. And then they would say, it's because we are yours. That God gave us to you and you are pleased with us. You see, listen to the words of the angel. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he's why is God pleased with you tonight? Or why does he love you like a father right now? Well, through your personal faith in Christ alone, you have peace with God, and your position has gone from one of a rebel, displeasure, unclean, to one of a child, pleased, clean, in Christ. That's the gospel. Now maybe you are here and you have no peace with God, no relationship. And the great news and the gospel news is God has done it all for you. And he offers you a peace contract, you might say, a covenant, a relationship again through what his son has done for you. But you're required to put your trust and your faith in his work alone to save you and to seek God's forgiveness and ask him to forgive you. Now, if, if you are a follower of Christ here tonight, I want to encourage you. On Christmas, remember the covenant of peace, that you have a living God, your King, who has promised you that by faith in Jesus alone, you are adopted as sons and daughters 
You're justified, which means you're made righteous. You're sanctified. You're clean. There's no longer any condemnation for you. And when he sees you, he sees you joined and in Christ. So, and as children now, he then compels us. He compels us. We've been adopted by grace to go and to live in the world as his children. And as we reflect this Christmas on what he's done for us, what that angel said and proclaimed, glory to God on the highest and to you, believer, peace with you. God is pleased with you because of Christ. As a child, worship. Worship and enjoy your heavenly Father for what he's done for you. That's our response. And as you worship and draw close, he gets the glory, and you receive unbelievable joy, the kind of joy we all crave in drawing close to our Creator. Amen? Father, just praise you tonight, and thank you for this covenant of peace that Christ came to make, what no sacrifice could do, no good works of the law, you sent your son who took on flesh as the Lamb of God to die for us. Lord, what a display of the glory of your love. Lord, thank you that you are pleased with us because of that. That is our position. God, give us the grace and the desire to live as children and obey your will by the power of your Holy Spirit, which is written upon our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We want to just continue to worship through taking the Lord's Supper. So could I ask the elders uh, from First Pres that are here if you come forward now? And as they are I just want to read you what Paul says about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11. He says this, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. So he's given us an account of the first Lord's Supper, that Passover, the night Jesus died. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So what, what is the Lord's Supper? Well, it is, it is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ broken for you. When Christ said, Do this in remembrance of me, and the Holy Spirit works, just like he does in the scriptures. He works through simple bread and simple grape juice to nourish you and grow you in your faith. But if I leave here and I've got a cracker in my pocket, Jesus is not in my pocket. It's the Holy Spirit that works through these things. And so now I simply want to pray that the Holy Spirit would use these things 
things to grow us in our faith and our understanding of what God's done for him and our love for him. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Christ's body broken for my sins and my failings. Lord, Christ's blood, his life was poured out instead of mine, the great substitute. Father, give us uh, eyes of faith to see and behold and know what he's done for us. Like David says in the Psalms, when he examines that sacrifice for him, he goes round and round and round and sees it and what you've done for him in your grace. Give us eyes to see the grace of God for us. In Jesus' name, amen. On the night that Christ died on the cross, he was in the upper room with his disciples around and he took bread as they're taking the Passover feast, just like I'm doing as a minister in his name, and he broke it, saying that my body is about to be broken, broken for you. Friends, it's the body of Jesus Christ that was broken in your place. By faith, take and eat. On that same night in the Passover feast, he took the cup and he said something the disciples had never heard. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant 
which is of my blood, my life, poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. In other words, what I'm about to do on the cross will be the forgiveness of your sins. Friends, it's the blood of Christ which is poured out, his life which is given in exchange for your life. Take and drink. Our closing carol is number 195. Let's stand together, and we'll sing joy to the world. The Lord is come.
heart, prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven, heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. Wild fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy, the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Hey, aren't those great words? And wonders of his love. You know, and wonders of his love. And that love was on display for you. When the child was born, the child who would make peace between us and God through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Amen. Hey, Merry Christmas. I hope you have a wonderful day of worship tomorrow and great time of giving and loving one another. Let's receive the benediction now from Jude, and you're free to hold your hands in the air to receive it or keep them just here beside you. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority for all time, now and forever. Amen. Go now in the grace and the peace and the comfort that we have in the peace of Christ. Amen.